Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you're blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church or its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to connect.redchurch.org.au. Well, good morning. My name is Britt, if I haven't met you. And what a pleasure to be spending Christmas morning with you all. Um, I am going to start with a quiz, which is a bit fun. I'm going to throw some chocolates out. Yes. I apologize if you are allergic to nuts, because these obviously have a lot in them. So you can possibly share them with someone else. But are you guys ready? Excellent. So first question, in which modern town, which modern day country, sorry, was St. Nicholas born in? You can just say, what, what? Anyone? Turkey. Turkey. Yes, there was a few there. So I was one back. Who? Yes. Woo, it's a good start. And Mark? Oh, <laughs> intercepted. Excellent, excellent. All right, second question. In the song, Winter Wonderland, what do we call the snowman? You're all singing it in your heads. Yes, it's Parson Brown. Well done. Excellent. All right. What is the highest grossing Christmas movie of all time? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Love, not Love Actually, not Die Hard. How is that even a Christmas film? Anyway. It is. It is. All right, all right. Any other guesses? No, not Miracle on 34? It's Home Alone! Yeah. Someone over there. Yeah, Kelly. Oh. Did someone else yell that out there? I feel like there was a few that said Home Alone. Oh, up the back there? I don't know if I can get that far. Yes. Ooh. One more. Anyone else said Home Alone? Ah, joy. Oh. Yes. Woo. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) <laughs> All right, this is my final one. Where, oh no, actually, forgive me. I've got a few more. Who spreads the news about baby Jesus throughout Bethlehem? Shepherd, shepherd. Yes. Oh, that was so quick. Excellent. Well done. All right, what is the city of David also known as in the Bible? Bethlehem. Someone over there. Yeah, excellent. What a crowd. You guys are great. Okay. This one's a little bit more tricky. What are the traditional names of the three wise men? Or the Magi, does it? That's one, yep, nice. You can get one, that was so quick. Yeah, well done. Well, sorry. So we got Balthasar, Caspar, who said that? Yeah, well done, one more. Oh, terrible. Did you say Alfred? I like it. I mean, there could be an Alfred. Fortunately, it's not. I actually don't really know how to say this one, to be perfectly honest. Pardon? Yes. Can you say it a bit louder? Melchior. Yes. Melchior. Wonderful. Another, another one for you. Maybe a better throw. What? No. <laughs> Apologies. All right. Now, this is my final one. This is my final one. Where was Jesus born? Yes, but where? In Stable, we've got stable, manger, yeah, yeah. Looking for something else though, what kind of dwelling was he in? Farm, stable, an inn, outside. These are all great answers. But do you know, there's so many chocolates. There's some left, don't worry, we can have some later. 
The crazy thing is, we all have these different understandings of where Jesus was born because we've heard the story so many times, right? We've seen it in our primary school kid, kids' plays. We've read it in books. And do you know, actually, traditionally, he was actually born in a home. In Matthew, it talks about him being in the house when the Magi visit. In Luke, it says the inn, but when you actually translate that word, it doesn't mean the inn like a motel or hotel. It's different. When they go to Bethlehem, it says that there was no room at the inn. But Joseph, as we hear about in the story, is from the line of David. So he would have arrived in Bethlehem, which is known as the city of David, or linked to that. He would have been known and people would have wanted to host him. So when they say in the scriptures there was no room at the inn, what they mean is in a traditional family home, if you can imagine a big rectangle, the front of the house was the guest house, which is also called the inn. Because of the census, which is why everyone was arriving in Bethlehem, going back to their hometown as Caesar's, Caesar Augustus had asked everyone to do to register, it was really busy. So in this home, the inn was full. But you know what that means? It means that this family took Mary and Joseph actually into their house and into their home. And their home was alongside the guest house in a big rectangle, as you can imagine. And at one end is where all the animals would sleep. They'd come in at night to protect them and keep the house warm. And there were two mangers on the floor. And the whole house, actually, the floor tipped all the way down. So everything kind of, all the rubbish and everything can be pushed down. But isn't it funny? We've heard this story so many times. And yet I didn't know that. I'd imagined a cave, a stable, an inn, everything that you yelled out. But actually, he was born in a home with people around him and placed in the manger at the end of the house, but filled with presents and people with him. And yes, the animals were there. But isn't it funny? We know this story so well. We've heard it so many times. Christmas comes every year, and we know a lot about it. It feels so familiar. But there's always something more at Christmas. There's always something more to know about Jesus. And I think as I was reflecting on this sermon, I was thinking about Mary and Joseph. They, of all people, knew who Jesus was, right? So they have, you know, we've heard in the scriptures that Joseph is from the line of David. Their ancestry is linked with God and with Jesus. They've been waiting for this Messiah that they have heard about throughout all of the Old Testament. They've been told as children, they've sat around the table hearing this narrative over and over again. The promises of the scriptures which say that a world that is broken would be made right by God and that a figure would come to make things right, the Messiah. They are awaiting this. And so when they're told that Jesus is going to come, that Mary is going to give birth to Jesus, her response is stunning. And you read about it in Luke 1. She sings a song to God. And basically, if you read through that, you can see that it's all references to the Old Testament and God's faithfulness, speaking of how he will make the world right and talking about this Messiah. She's referencing things like Isaiah 9-6, which we hear so often at this time of year, and it is beautiful scripture. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is what Mary's thinking of when she's visited by the angel. This is what Joseph is remembering. And then in Psalm 105. He remembers his covenant forever, the promise he made for a thousand generations. They are awaiting this promise. Mary will carry this promise. It's astonishing to think they would know who would arrive. 
They've heard the stories. They've had visitations, literal conversations with angels. Joseph had a dream. And yet, as you watch the gospel unfold, you realise that Mary's perspective of Jesus, yes, she knew who he was, yes, she carried him, she would have understood so much of who Jesus was in his humanity, holding him, caring for him, loving him, protecting him. But later on, you read in the Gospels that Mary finds Jesus preaching and she doesn't understand what's going on. This is not the Messiah. This is not what you're meant to be doing. There's this chaos that's happening. People are after Jesus now because he's become a little bit more known throughout Judea and some people don't like what he's doing. They don't like what he's preaching and how he's leading and how he's disrupting many things and Mary feels anxious about this because of the way she's understood it. This is not what Jesus is meant to be or who he's meant to be. And so she arrives one day when he's teaching and she stands in the crowd with his brothers and he yells out and says, Jesus, you need to come home. No more of this, essentially, is what she's saying. Mary knew he was coming. But did she really know who he was? It's funny, Tim Keller, when he was writing about this, he talked about Jesus like a billiard ball, which sounds a bit weird, I realise. But that idea of when you hit with the white ball the pack and you scatter the table, this is a lot of what Jesus did. When he arrived, he broke patterns of things that have been in this society, of things that had been the norm for so long. No one really ever saw Jesus and thought, oh, well, that was a nice guy. He was kind of good, wasn't he? It wasn't too bad what he said. He causes a stir no matter where he goes. And he breaks these patterns throughout the Gospels. You see it over and over again. And it's in all parts of society. So we hear about the shepherds coming to visit him, the peasants of that time. We see him calming the storm, his almighty power to control nature and creation, breaking those patterns, stopping things in their tracks. We see his interactions with different people, like the centurion who comes to him and says, can you please heal the paralyzed man that I work with? But you don't need to come, I trust your authority. The centurion works for Rome. He sees that Jesus is someone different. He's under the leadership of Rome and yet can recognize that someone greater has come to break the patterns of what he is a part of and he wants some of that. He raises Lazarus from the dead. He's broken that pattern of death. He even heals people who've been in a pattern of unhealth for so long, the woman bleeding for 12 years. There is no pattern. He can't alter and restore for life and for glory. This is what Jesus does. Even Pontius Pilate is intrigued by Jesus. As he has his trial before he goes to be crucified. Again, Pontius Pilate under Rome, a man who was leading a man who was well-known in the time, who held a lot of authority and power, came before Jesus and was like, who are you? You are breaking everything I know of the world and of people around me. Jesus came to do that. And for Mary, 
having known these prophecies, having carried him. She watches all of this, even up until the point where Jesus is crucified on the cross. And it's really only then that I think she realizes all of who he is. As she stood there beside John watching him be crucified. And that is actually the good news. That great revelation, when he rose again after being crucified, Mary understood something in a whole new way. The price was paid. The broken world that he had promised to fulfill was being made right. He broke that pattern of death and created a new one, which brings everlasting life. He wants to make that world, our world, right, to transform it, to transform you. His healing power is offered to you this morning. God's promises, as Mary sung about, as we heard about in the scriptures, those generations, that's you. We sit here as a part of that. Timothy Keller said that Christianity, then, is not primarily about self-improvement. It is not just a place to get some inspiration and guidance for life. Of course, the Christian gospel has massive implications for how you live. But it is, first of all, a message you need. First of all, a message you need to be saved. And you are, not, and you are saved not in the slightest by what you can do, but rather by what he has done. You begin with Christ, not by adopting an ethic, nor by turning over a new leaf, nor even by joining a community. No, you begin by believing the report about what has happened in history. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is good news. And what is news? It's a telling of something that has happened. That is what we're celebrating today. Something that has happened so long ago but has implications and power now. And as Timothy Keller says, it's not something that we do to earn that good news, to understand it, to be a part of Jesus breaking those patterns in the world and bringing new life and new patterns. But it's by believing in that good news. We may know this Christmas story. We've probably eaten a hundred puddings, saying Silent Night a thousand times, <laughs> eaten way too many Ferrero Rochers, watched Home Alone quite a few times because it was up there for one of the best, right? But this morning, we with Mary must ask, do we really know him? Maybe today you'd actually like to know him. Maybe you've never met him yet. And the realisation is that you have that deep desire within yourself to see a world made right, for there to be something greater than what is happening around you. Maybe you're someone like the woman in the Gospels who has been unwell for many years and you really desire breakthrough and you've not seen any other way. Jesus comes to bring healing. Or maybe you're like the Magi, seeking something else. There's got to be something greater than what we see with our eyes and what we have encountered. There has to be more to what's going on. Or maybe you're like the shepherds and life has been really tough. And despite trying to bring change, it's been difficult generation after generation. It's been hard. Jesus has come today to break those patterns and to bring life for you. And he desires that for your life. That is the good news.
Maybe here today you'd love to get to know him and be known by him. And he awaits that and he looks forward to that. And this is why we celebrate. And what if Jesus is actually everything you've been longing for? Those answers and those desires fulfilled, that feeling that you get at Christmas, the excitement, the hope that there is more. What if he is that answer? And friends, that is actually the thrill of hope because he is. He is that answer. So why don't you stand? So we come to an end. I'd love to pray. I'd love to pray to this Jesus who came so close, who became like us so that we would know him like a friend, like a father, like a companion. We're going to pray to this Jesus. And if this is something that you would like in your life, if you'd like to walk with Jesus, if you'd like to participate in his kingdom and see him break those patterns, to bring life and freedom, then I'm gonna invite you to pray along this prayer. So why don't we all close our eyes and come before our Lord Jesus, filled with hope and trust. And I'm just gonna pray this prayer and please pray along in your heart or out loud if you'd like as we come before him. Lord Jesus, I am sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything that I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we just we thank you that you have come close. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, for an awakening to know more of who you are, for revelation, for an understanding that you have come to bring life and life to the full. And so we pause before we run off into the rest of our day to say thank you. Thank you for that hope. And we place our trust in you. And may you be honoured and glorified as you, were, as you were at that time and as you are now. And may you forever be. In Jesus' mighty and powerful name. Amen. Amen.